Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Big Blue Insider is on. News Radio 630 WLAP and the iHeartRadio app. To interact with the show, call us at 859-280-2287. That's 859-280-CATS. Or you can tweet us at BigBlueInsider1. Now, here's Dick Gabriel. Welcome to the Big Blue Insider. Another gorgeous day here in the bluegrass. A little bit warmer, but it's summertime. Still nice and breezy. Garage doors wide open. And we're here wide open to take your calls. 280-2287. 800-606-4263. You can tweet us at Big Blue Insider 1. Billy Rutledge alongside. Aaron Gershon is here as well. The uh, pesky real job not getting in the way of him joining us tonight. And at one point, Aaron and I will discuss stick'em, goop, the sticky oh. stuff. And Major League Baseball not really handling this situation very well, in my opinion. It's kind of turning these games into a joke. And, uh, Aaron, you can't wait to talk about that, can you? Yeah, we got PSA uh, in baseball. It's a joke. (laughs) So we will get to that soon enough, but we have much to discuss. Um, If we can, we'll work the uh, Brooks Koepka-DeChambeau feud back into our discussion, one of Billy's favorite topics. But uh, uh, one of the lead stories nationally, of course, is the collapse of the condominium, the big building down in Miami. And there is video and uh, there are photos online right now. Well, many, many people are rushing in to help. And one of them is Tyler Hero. And, of course, you know, that's that's his home now, Miami. That's where he's playing for the Heat. And he and assistant coach Chris Quinn were spotted on the scene there at the site of the collapsed building just uh, hours after it uh, partially collapsed, we should say. They were basically helping to offload water bottles to everybody in need. So, and then, of course, they still have a massive search and rescue effort underway. Uh, one person officially dead, 99 at least, are missing. And uh, it, it's just a horrible situation down there in Miami Beach. But Tyler Hero, one of the people to rush in and offer his support. The news of the day here in Kentucky involves at least one of the big stories, the fact that Governor Andy Bashir this afternoon signed an executive order allowing student-athletes in the state to receive fair compensation for the use of name, image, and likeness. That's the hot-button topic, one of many in college athletics right now, NIL. And um, he's the first governor to allow compensation for name, image, and likeness by executive order, which takes effect on July 1. Uh, Mitch Barnhart released a statement. He's going to talk to the media tomorrow. Barnhart will. We'll have his comments tomorrow night on the Big Blue Insider, but uh, what he said today in his prepared statement said that the executive order provides UK with the flexibility it needs at this time to further develop policies around uh, the NIL issue. He said we're appreciative of the support. It's a bridge until such time as state and or federal laws are enacted. 
this is vital right now for many reasons, but the chief among them, fellas, is competitiveness. Because this is not going to be the case in, I, would, I don't know if it'll be many states, but several states, and believe it or not, no surprise here, crazy things happen in Florida, and right now, Florida, which had been one of the leading states pushing for the NIL legislation, now Republicans have decided that they're going to put it on hold for now and maybe not go with it at all. Uh, last spring, they passed its bill. The governor signed it into law with the July 1, 2021 start date, but now they're on hold, so it may not happen at all in the state of Florida. Can you imagine if Florida, which is already doing a lot of crazy things with regard to uh, forcing students to sign statements about how they stand on political matters, what this could do to Florida recruiting, Billy. I mean, you're talking about a powerhouse state when it comes to athletes, when it comes to two schools, two of the, the, the power five schools in the ACC, and, of course, the, the University of Florida. Uh, you got to think the Florida coaching staff right now is cringing at the thought of, of trying to explain these things to the parents and not just not just the recruits but the parents of Florida recruits. Yeah, I think the Florida coaching staff is doing the exact same thing that the Kentucky coaching staff was doing maybe a week ago, Dick. I mean, before this announcement by Governor Bashir, I think the Wildcats and all the teams in the Commonwealth were in the same boat when it comes to this wacky world of college athletics that's coming this way. I mean, we're not sure um all that's going to take effect when July 1st comes around and which states are going to be working with name, image, and likeness. So, you know, I, I think Kentucky, the, the teams of the Commonwealth are relieved to see this news, but oh. the Florida teams are right back into the thick of it. And I, I, would, I would imagine a mass exodus if something like that were to happen. To that you. indeed could happen. You know, not just, you're right, not just recruiting, but yeah, current players could say to hell with this, I'm out of here. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, something we'll, we'll keep an eye on, obviously, for you. Um, other college athletics, and uh, Aaron, I'm not sure how much time you've had to watch the College World Series. Did you catch at least the highlights of Vandy's comeback win over Stanford? How about that? Unreal. Yeah, I did get to see the, the bottom of the ninth, which is really kind of all that matters at the yeah. end of the day. Uh, Vanderbilt just finds ways to win, and, you, I mean, it was kind of handed to them with a walk-off wild pitch, but – uh, you, I felt bad almost for NC State. They're one pitch away, or one out away, rather, of getting Stanford, who would have been without their ace, given he pitched yesterday. Uh, instead, they're going to have to deal with Kamar Rocker and Jack Leiter, uh, given that it'll kind of be a best, uh, I guess it'll be North Carolina only has to win one. Vandy would have to sweep them to get past. But, uh, yeah, if you're NC State, that's a gut punch. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, you know, if you didn't see it, uh, Stanford had a two-run lead going into the ninth inning, and uh, Vandy comes back, uh, scores a run in a conventional way, had runners on second and third. They're one out away. And Enrique Bradfield Jr., he's the leadoff hitter, and he has stolen, I don't know now by now, it may be well past 50, 50 bases. 
Uh, he's almost unstoppable on the base pass. But the other thing, I'm not sure if you know this, his batting average with runners in scoring position is like 440-something. Uh, so he comes up. That's the guy, obviously, you want up. And he ties the game, drives in a run with a base hit. And then Stanford's pitcher uncorks a wild pitch. Brandon Beck, he is the reigning Pac-12 Pitcher of the Year and throws a pitch. It just slipped out of his hand. And the catcher never even touched it as it flies back to the backstop. And Vandy, down 5-2 at the beginning of the sixth, whittles it down and comes back and wins. Just phenomenal. And now that poor kid, Aaron, has got to carry that for the rest of his life. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I I didn't see what year he was, so maybe uh, a big fat MLB paycheck could be coming his way in a matter of weeks here. But yeah, still, that, but still, yeah, that's gonna, that's going to be a painful one, and for Stanford as a whole, and um, it's really been a really uh, for me, it's been a lot of fun this tournament because a lot of these, I mean, one, we didn't have it last year, and two, really outside of Vandy, there's a lot of teams that you know we're not used to seeing in these final rounds. I mean, NC State. I think they won back in like 2011, something like that, but they haven't been around for a while, obviously. Uh, Kentucky played them in those regionals a couple of years ago. Um, but NC State's been a fun storyline. Obviously, you know, you got to give credit to what Tennessee was able to do and get as far as they did. So it's been fun seeing some new schools outside of, obviously, Vandy, who's not going anywhere uh, in this one. But it also makes you want something to give with this Kentucky program, as you probably saw the news on Colton Kessler and uh, yep. not good. Colton Kessler, a Kentucky catcher who led the team in batting this year, has entered the transfer portal. I don't know about you. I wasn't all that surprised. We talked about it a little bit last night that um, because he, of course, uh, wants to play pro ball and wants to be an everyday catcher. And with Alonzo Rubalcaba uh, likely coming back, he, you know, Kessler at the, at, at the best uh, scenario would share the position and at worst would be a DH and only a part-time catcher. So I can't really blame him for wanting to no. go someplace where he can start every day. Yeah, no, I don't blame him, but it's just it's been a mass exodus this offseason for Kentucky. I mean, what, they've lost 11 guys to the transfer portal? Yeah, including a bunch of starters. You lose and guys, I've they been, lose guys I've every been year. Told, I have been told two more position players, including a starter, are going to be next. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, they they lose kids every year. Every team loses kids. And, in fact, Arkansas, best team in the league, has at least eight in the transfer portal. So, And one of the reasons for that is, and you and I have talked about this, is the ridiculous nature of scholarships in college baseball. With, with 11.7 for an entire team, you've got kids in Omaha paying to play college baseball, paying their own way. So, you know, kids who are out there – and kind of, you know, shopping themselves, like, what can you do for me? You know, can you give me more scholarship money? Uh, and so you can't blame a lot of kids for moving on. One other story out of the SEC before we hit the break. I don't know if you saw this one, Billy, but Tennessee's lost a quarterback. Tennessee lost a guy who was expected to contend for the starting job, a four-star prospect named Caden Salter. And he was kicked off the team after a second off-the-field issue involving drugs since he enrolled in January. He was rated the number 47 player overall 
in the class of 2021 by 247 Sports and considered the number six overall quarterback in the class. He and a fellow freshman, Amari McNeil, an old lineman, were charged with misdemeanor drug offenses after an early morning stop earlier this week. And so he's done. He was also suspended during spring practices, so now he is dismissed. And so Josh Heupel trying trying his best to rebuild uh, the Tennessee program. What was it Justin Rowland said to us the other day? That Tennessee is, is the model for how not to get things done right now. I, I missed that day, Dick, but you did inform me that Justin did go on a tear yes. uh, on Tennessee <laughs> on that interview. Josh Heupel setting the tone, and he's and he's got to at least try. Yes. Um, I did like the fact that this was this guy's second issue. Uh, he was also with another guy named Amir McNeil, right? Who was this was his first off the field issue, and, and Josh Heupel kept him on the team. I think that shows that there is willingness to bend, but you do it twice, then you're out of here. So. Good good try on Josh Heupel, but we'll see how this all plays out in the coming years. Still has four quarterbacks. Uh, two of them are experienced thanks to the transfer portal. I don't know if they're any good, but uh, well, Hendon Hooker of Virginia Tech, who we got to see against we, Kentucky, yeah. and uh, uh, Joe Milton from Michigan have transferred in. Uh, Harrison Bailey is back for his second year, played in six games last year, and Brian Maurer, a third-year sophomore, who has also played in 12 games, will be there. So uh, Tennessee loses a big recruit, and this is already after Tennessee had lost its top two rushers in Eric Gray and Ty Chandler and uh, another uh, key offensive lineman, uh, top 100 defensive back, uh, also transferred to Oklahoma. So you got to get him now. I mean, if you're Kentucky, you, you pounded him last year. And you got to get them this year as well with the, when the opportunity is there. It's going to uh, be weird with uh, Jared Garitano at Washington State not facing Kentucky this year. It's been a uh, while. Yeah, and now so, he's you know, he's Jake their headache. Bentley is still in college football too. What's that? Jake Bentley is still playing college football. Really? Really. South Alabama. I noticed that today. I was looking up the quarterback transfers after that news. And, yeah, he's going for years. I, think. I was going to say, well, he picked up, you know, a red shirt and then he picked up the extra year uh, like a lot of guys. So, uh, you know, I mean, Zeke Lewis played six years, right? So uh, why not? But, yeah, Bentley transferring from uh, South Carolina. We'll take a break. Back with more. And at the bottom of the hour, Mark Story at the Herald Leader will join us here on 630 WLAP. This is the home of the Wildcats. 630 WLAP. Welcome back to the Big Blue Insider. Mark Story is coming up in a few minutes, columnist for the Herald-Leader. We'll talk to him about a lot of things, including the order that Governor Bashir signed today, giving uh, athletes, college athletes in the state of Kentucky the right to receive fair compensation for name, image, and likeness. And Kentucky keeps pace with other states, uh, college athletes in other states, which who will get the same thing. But we'll talk about many things as well. Um more honors for Kentucky football players. The Phil Steele uh, preseason magazine is coming out. I think I talked to you about this yesterday because Darian Kennard was named to the first team. Uh, and uh, Juan Dale Robinson, Chris Rodriguez were named third team all-conference preseason on the Phil Steele uh, list. 
Yusef Corker named second team. Marquand McCall and DeAndre Square were on the third team. And Jordan Wright, a fourth-team pick. Josh Ali was a second-team specialist. Um, I don't know. I mean, as athletes will tell you, Aaron, this means virtually nothing, although I think what it does mean is people – know they're out there. They know their names are out there. And I think this could be great motivation for Marquand McCall, who has said that he knows he has to kind of stop clowning around when he's out there, really get in shape and and become, you know, the, the kind of nose guard Kentucky needs him to be. Yeah, absolutely. And they they really need him this year with Quentin Bohena, obviously off to the NFL. So it's a big prove here for him. But I, I guess my – I mean, these lists, again, it's just recognition. There's just nothing fun. wrong with it. Yeah. But how, who, what, name two better running backs in the SEC right now than Kurt Rodriguez. Exactly. That one that, – I don't get that one. Well, and I don't – I'm not sure if, if he lists two running backs per team. So maybe they've got him among the yeah. top six or so. But I'm with you on that. I mean, and, you know, pro football focus is all over. But here's the other thing. Name me two other all-purpose players better than Wandale Robinson. They may be out right. there, but I think it's going to be fun to see how he stacks up in the SEC. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe it's because he hasn't played in the SEC yet. Right. I don't know. But Chris Rodriguez, if, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess if you want to argue, the only name that really comes to mind, given he obviously lost Najee Harris to the NFL, is Kevin Harris, who we saw at South Carolina absolutely tear up Kentucky at the end of last year. But other than that, I just, top ahead, I can't think of anyone I'd no. rather have in the SEC at running back. No, you know, it's the kind of thing where if you ask coaches anonymously, Billy, give me a running back you'd like to have. <laughs> I promise you, uh, you know, pick one. Pick one running back from another team you'd like to have. i got to think every coach in, in the conference What's say Chris Rodriguez? Yeah, I think he's got to be up there. Um, what stood out to me when you were la- rattling off that list, Dick, was Wandell being a third team and not even playing in the SEC, uh, or at least not one game yet. Um, this is high expectations for this guy, and he has yet to play his nap for Kentucky. Even though he did commit to Kentucky at one point, you know, with what's being said at practice and with this new offense that's being implemented, I feel like a lot of the success this year hinges on a guy like Wandell. Sure. I think, too, you know, people who put the – I don't know if it's just Phil or he has a staff of people who do it. But you've also got to look at what Wandale did at Nebraska. And granted, this is not your grandfather's or your father's Nebraska program. And, you know, they didn't have a, a super year last year. But this may be why they had to depend so much on Wandale. He represented 32% of their offense, of their basically of their productivity, let's put it that way, between offense and special teams. So I, I guess people are thinking, well, if he can do that in Nebraska, you know, he can probably do something similar at Kentucky. So, you know, uh, I think you'll see him quickly um, own up or not own up, but uh, measure up to to what people are uh, are predicting. I like the fact that Yusef Corker got second team honors because sometimes I think he flies a little under the, the, the radar, Aaron, but he has quietly had a really nice career at Kentucky. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think he led the team in tackles in 19. If not, he was right up there, and then he was second only behind a first-round draft pick in Jamin Davis last year. So he's a tackling machine. Uh, Saw him get his first pick last year. So if he can get his hands on the ball a little more, I I think he'll be uh, getting more recognized. I think that's kind of just a common uh, popular play, the interception. So see more of those, you'll see more of his name, just like we didn't see 
as much Brandon Eccles uh, national attention as we did. Yeah, and uh, also Jordan Wright named a fourth team. That might be great motivation for him because they need Jordan Wright to keep getting better. He's gotten better every year, and they need him to get better uh, this year because outside linebacker, as we all know, well, just linebacker in general is a spot where there are opportunities for other guys, but they've got to get it done. We'll take a break. Back with Mark Story of the Herald Leader in a few here on 630 WLAP. You're listening to Big Blue Insider with Dick Gabriel on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome back to the Big Blue Insider. Dick Gabriel, Aaron Gershon, Billy Rutledge. Joined now on our celebrity hotline by a longtime friend and a friend of the show, Mr. Mark Story of the Herald Leader. Mark, I hope you got out and have been and really the last few days to enjoy this weather, man. Isn't it great? Yeah, the it, I haven't been out that much today, but the two days before was oh, just incredible. Yeah. Just perfect. Yeah, and I know you've been watching your beloved Dodgers and you watch Zach Rex, a former Wildcat, make his debut. That has to be exciting, you know, and I know you tweet out the information like that, but that's a lot of fun when uh, the locals get up there. Well, the Dodgers, who did not have a very good uh, weekend trip to San Diego, have a very heavy Kentucky uh, contingent. You obviously have Walker Bueller from Lexington and Will Smith from Louisville, and for a part of the year they had Nate Jones in the bullpen from Pendleton County, and they parted ways with him, and then Zach Rex the former UK outfielder was up for just one night, but it will, he, you know, he did appear in a major league baseball game. So you know, he, he'll always have that. And hopefully he'll get another chance because as a Dodger fan, some of the guys they've been bringing, they've some of their second tier guys that they've had to call up because of injuries have not played very well. I'd like to, I'd like for them to give Rex a chance to see if he can do better. Yeah. Who was the kid who went, played at Wake Forest, I think, and ended up with the Dodgers, a Lexington kid a few years ago. A catcher. Maybe he didn't play. Maybe his brother played awake. Yeah, we're not talking about AJ Ellis. AJ Ellis. That's it. He has brother played awake, and AJ played. Yeah, AJ uh, played. Did he play at Austin P? Yeah, I think that that was it. Yeah, so uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, Let's get to the news of the day, which of course was Andy Bashir announcing that uh, he had signed the executive order about the name, image, and likeness, which keeps Kentucky at pace with other states. And uh, we were just reading a story about how Florida may backtrack on this, Mark, and not allow it. You know, you know, Florida politics, go figure. But um, I, I, how vital was this kind of an obvious question to get this done here in the state of Kentucky? Well, I mean, if you look at the footprint of the Southeastern Conference, almost every other state has enacted this, most of, whom, most of them have it going into effect Next, you know, week from today, July 1st, I think Missouri, it goes into effect August 28th, and I believe Tennessee and Arkansas, it goes into effect January 1 of 2022, and every other state except Kentucky was set up for, in the SEC, was set up for it to go into effect next week. So, yeah, I mean, I think it would have been a recruiting disadvantage if the state of Kentucky is the only SEC state, you know, where athletes are not allowed to have or to take advantage of their name, imaging, and license rights. Now, you know, as a caveat, I think the NCAA seems to be moving toward enacting something that will essentially a waiver that will leave it up to every individual school how they intend to, you know, conduct 
the NIL issue. So the waiver in Kentucky may not have been needed, but you know it is the NCAA, and you just never can tell what's going to happen with them. Yeah. So it was probably wise for the governor to go ahead and do that. Yeah. This is the beginning of a new era, obviously, in college athletics. And I've, I keep saying, UK is going to be fine. But I think that if, if, if I'm at – I always talk about the OVC schools – Murray State or EKU or Billy's alma mater, Western Kentucky, which has a bit of a higher profile because it's a D1 football school. But, you know, the regional schools, I'm starting to worry about things, you know, because there had already been some whispers about, you know, the Power 5 schools kind of breaking away and doing their own thing. Do you think we'll see something like that in the near future? I don't think we'll see it in the near future. Um, You know, it's interesting. I was – actually talking with an OVC athletic director about this time yesterday, and I asked them about you know, NIL, and my point was, you know, obviously you're probably not going to have athletes at that level that have, you know, the national Internet following that, you know, say Zion Williamson had or, you know, Sydney McLaughlin had when she was at UK. But, you know, I would think, to take Eastern for an example, I would think the car, you know, the car dealership, may want some EKU athletes to come sign autographs as a way to drive traffic, or there may be some opportunities to, you know, do some local, you know, really, you know, local commercial type stuff. So, you know, I think it can benefit athletes at that level. Mark, how much money are we talking about here? I mean, I I, I am worried that there's going to be a bit of a status gap when it comes to some of the athletes on campus and the athletes on campus. Maybe there's two, three, four of them that can afford a very nice luxury car after this, or maybe they have a little bit nicer clothes on uh, than the first week that you saw them on campus. I mean, what kind of ballpark do you think there is? Well, I think that's an interesting question. I think there are a select few athletes. I mentioned Zion Williamson. You know, what, you know, what would he, what could he have pulled in his one year in college under this system? You know, I think a lot of this is going to be driven by your internet popularity you know, monetizing, you know, Instagram and Twitter and, you know, all that kind of thing. So, you know, I was thinking, you know, if you are a spectacular dunker and you just, you know, post, you know, really interesting dunk videos on your page, that may drive traffic and give you, you know, an opportunity to attract sponsors for that. You know, if you're, you know, if you have a really strong arm as a quarterback and can do, you know, like kind of awe-inspiring, you know, Quarterback tricks, you know, that may be a way to attract attention. You know, I think to make really big money, you're going to have to be a, a national-level athlete, have a national profile. And, you know, I, there are not a tremendous amount of those kind of people, but there will be some. And, yeah, I think there will be some you know, built-in disparities. But, you know, that, that, that's, kind of free mar- that's kind of how the free market works. Mark, how, do you, how much do you think NL, NIL is going to help college basketball? Obviously, we've seen a lot of the top ten recruits the last two years uh, go either internationally or the G League route, and we're probably on route to see more of that. But as more states allow this, like a, you know, a powerhouse basketball state like Kentucky, do you think that it'll be enough to keep kids from going right to the pros and at least uh, doing one year of college uh, like we've been used to? I think it might in some instances. You know, if, if the NBA really wants to bring talent into the G League, the NIL you know, is not going to – the NBA is going to be able to outbid NIL, you know, base colleges. 
and there's going to be some kids that just don't want to go to school, and, you know, that's all right. You know, there's, there's not anything wrong with that. But I do think, you know, some of the guys that maybe were sort of torn and you know, felt like, you know, maybe for family reasons they had to take the sure thing and the money available in the G League, I think this may give them reason to, you know, sort of take a second look and be more open to college basketball. So I do think there will be some of that. Talking to Mark Story of the Lexington Herald-Leader, Kentucky.com, and uh, he is a veteran of the U.K. beat. And uh, shifting to uh, one of your recent columns, Mark, one of your notes columns, which are always fun, the quick hitters, uh, as you like to call them. You wrote quite a bit about the quarterback situation at Kentucky with regard to the two kids who transferred in, or transfer. I guess Levis is here, Wayne Levis and uh, um, uh, Joey, or Will Levis and Joey Gatewood. But you made some interesting points about what you call the odd dynamic about these two guys. Could you share that with our listeners? Well, I just think it's interesting that the whole storyline of Kentucky football as regards the offense is you know, getting a passing attack going and building a passing attack on top of what has been a very powerful running game. And obviously Kentucky has not thrown the ball very well the last two years in particular. But, you know, these, the two transfer quarterbacks that if you listen to the scuttlebutt are going to, you know, it's going to be one of them. And, the hot, and most people seem to think it's going to be Will Levis, the kid from Penn State. And, and I'm not criticizing either one of them because I haven't seen, I've never seen Levis play. And right. I don't feel like I've seen enough of Gatewood to have an opinion. But it is interesting that at their previous schools, they were both situational running quarterbacks. And I just think it's kind of interesting that at a school that's, you know, just, where the big story is, can they get a passing game going? These two quarterbacks that have come in were at their prior schools used primarily as runners. Mark, do you think if Will Levis were to win this job, and maybe even Bo Allen, that you could see Joey get Joey Gatewood uh, decide to hit the portal again, just given the fact he's a former top fifty recruit and really left Auburn just because he wasn't the starter? Yeah, I think you have to. I think you have to think that's a possibility. I mean, he transferred, you know, look, looking to be a starting quarterback, and if he winds up not a starting starting quarterback, and if it's you know be, behind either Levis or Bo Allen, the Lev, you know, they both have. Well, I think Levis and Gatewood both have three years left with the free year, and then Bo Allen obviously still has four years left with the free year. So yeah, I, you know, he would be in a position that I would not be shocked at all if. He looked uh, for a chance to go somewhere and start. Mark, are you worried at all that expectations for a guy like Wandell Robinson are getting a little bit unrealistic? Uh, just personally, I feel like the season is hinging on this passing attack, which you've mentioned, and this transfer. Well, I'm a big Wandell Robinson fan. I, I loved watching him play in high school so much. I used to go to a couple of Western Hills games a year just to see him play. And then, you know, I... I I, I want everybody to go to college where they want to go, but I was disappointed when he left the state just because it meant I wouldn't get to watch him play. So I think he's really good. Now, you know, is is he single-handedly the answer to Kentucky's you know, passing issues? Probably not, but he is what one of, what they've been lacking, which is a dynamic playmaker and a dynamic playmaker that can stress high-level defenses. So I do think he, you know, if he stays healthy and they can get him the ball, I think he will make a big difference. 
Mark, you wrote a couple of uh, really uh, interesting pieces, and I know they were heartbreaking. Travis Ford losing a family member. Kelly Wells losing his parents uh, to, to COVID within a short amount of time. But you also, within your notes column, you had a really uplifting uh, series of notes about Kendra Harrison. And I wasn't aware she had such uh, an interesting family. Uh, could you share that? Yeah, Kim, I actually wrote about Kenny when she was here. It was the reason I knew, knew about her backstory. Her, her family is one of the most interesting. I mean, it, it's really amazing. Her parents met in the military, and, and I, the dad said they agreed in pre-marriage counseling that they, neither one of them wanted children, which <laughs> makes it kind of amazing that they ended up with 11 kids. 11? Two, uh, two of their own, or two biological children, and then nine children that they adopted, 11 of their own. Jeez. And it's a, it's a multi-ethnic uh, family. They, they have stepkids who... Not, not stepkids. They adopted kids yeah. who are uh, Korean, Bolivian, African American, and then and, and then some um, white kids too. So it, it's a really interesting mix. And from all outside appearances, it's an incredibly close family. I don't know if you watched the Olympic trials, but a lot of Kenny's family was there rooting for. They were all wearing purple shirts, saying Kenny's crew, and they were loud. I mean, you could hear them cheer when they would announce her name. And it's a it's a really interesting story, and I've always thought if Kendra could get to the Olympics, that's the kind of story that you know people just fall in love with oh, in watching yeah. the Olympics. And uh, having now gotten there, having won the, uh, the U.S. Olympic trials in the hundred meter hurdles, I would expect her to you know be get a lot of attention for her story uh, going into Tokyo and while she's there. And this was after she missed out. In uh, in 2016, and she had been a medal favorite, right? Yeah, she was, you know, arguably the best in the world. And you know, just you know, Kendra, if you look at her history, she's in, occasionally in big, big, uh, big meets. Her nerves sort of got get the better of her, and that I think happened to her at the Olympic trials in 2016. You know, two weeks later, she set the world record. Which you know was kind. Of, I'm sure was kind of bittersweet, given what had happened. But you know, she waited five years with the pandemic to get another chance. And, and if you also look at her history, usually when she gets the, the second chance, she comes through. And uh, she ran a very impressive race. And you know, I think will probably be the gold medal favorite in Tokyo. Do I remember this correctly? When in 2016, uh, because I think I interviewed her, and she had finished sixth uh, in the trials. And didn't qualify, but her coach made her compete two weeks later. I think it was in London, wasn't it? And that's where she set the new world record. Well, Edric Florial is her coach, and yeah. um, yes, it was. I believe it was in London. Yeah. And as I recall the story, he, you know, Flo made her go out the next day, and they just sort of went over the the hurdles, and Kenny cried, and they just sort of got, you know, got the emotion out. And you're right. Two weeks later. Uh, she set the world record, yeah. which still stands. And she admitted she had no interest. And he said, no, you're going. You're, you know, you're a runner, and that's what you do. And, of course, immediately after, she was happy he did. So you're right. This is a tremendous story and just another reason to keep an eye on uh, the Olympics this year. Mark, it's always a quick segment when you're on, or it seems that way. We have so much to discuss, so we'll just have to bring you back some other time. But thank you so much, and uh, looking forward to seeing you in person. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. Have a good one. Mark Story of Kentucky.com and the Herald Leader and 
you know, you may not get it on your doorstep, but you can uh, read it online, like I said, at Kentucky.com. But what a great, great collection of notes uh, in his most recent notes column about both UK football and Kendra Harrison. 280-2287. When we come back, Aaron Vents about Goop and more. 630 WLAP. This is the home of the Wildcats. 630 WLAP. They're calling it the sticky stuff, and boy, the way Major League Baseball has handled this is is, is sticky stuff as well. Uh, the new ban on foreign substances in Major League Baseball is is just been embarrassing with regard to how baseball is handling it. Mind you, I'm okay with it, and I know a lot of you don't really much care about baseball anymore, but this is why. I mean, baseball has turned into a game that's really hard to watch. Even, you know, baseball veterans, guys guys I know who played baseball have a hard time watching it now because it's all about, they all, you know, they always bring up spin rate. But what that means, it's about strikeouts and home runs. And last year we had more strikeouts than base hits in baseball. So they look into things. Uh, they, they kind of looked the other way when it came to rosin and uh, um, the uh, the uh, sunscreen, but there's there's goop involved that originally was put together by a clubby in Anaheim who's since been fired, the only guy, and now everybody's being searched. And and Aaron, you know, I don't know if you how you feel about spider tack and all that stuff, but like I said, I'm good with trying to take it out of the game, but don't do this stuff in the middle of the field in the middle of an inning. Or, you know, do it in the clubhouse. Do it in the dugout. Don't make a spectacle out of it. It's a, it's a joke. I mean, it's so uh, – Billy and I were talking on the phone before we started here, and I was telling them there was a kid from the Mets last night, makes his major league debut. He's, trying, he's getting a standing over, trying to take it all in after a solid start. And, they you know, they have to pat him down before he can get in the dugout and tip his cap. It's ridiculous. It's just it, – it's silly. It makes the sport look bad, yeah. uh, especially when you had what you saw with Max Scherzer and uh, Joe Girardi, the Phillies manager, uh, insisting he be checked because he wiped his head. Like, I don't know, just dumb. Uh, the whole Check thing, his hair. Look, Check his hair. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm okay. I'm with you. I, I'm totally good with removing the spider tack and stuff like that from the game. But my, I have a couple issues with it. Is one the timing of it? Because yeah. you know Tyler Glass now was right. He probably did get hurt because he had to change his routine. Should he have ever been using it? No, it was against the rules. But it seems like the far majority of pitchers were. So to just change the rules mid-season right. is just not right uh, at all. Especially when it's this drastic and they're. These guys have to stop cold turkey. So uh, I wasn't okay with that. I'm obviously not okay with these TSA pat downs after every inning. But um, really, baseball just had so many issues. I mean, look, they wanted to limit the home run ball, which is fine. I, I, I was, I'm all for more base hits. So what they do this year, they weaken the balls. And that's a big reason with that and the combination of the weakened balls and the spider tech. I mean, hitters were batting like 225 uh, across the league until, uh, you know, they got rid of the spider tech and the averages have gone up about uh, 10 percentage points. So, I don't know. Baseball has so many different issues. They can't even get all-star uniforms right if you saw uh, what they released today, uh, garbage. And they're making them – they're not even letting the players, which is one of my favorite things, is every team, you know, wearing your own uniform on the all-star game. They're not doing that this year. 
Um, th- there's just so many questionable decisions. Obviously, the, sp- uh, the whole sticky stuff, uh, leading the charge with that. But, um, yeah, it's brutal. I-, I Look, I love baseball. I still watch, you know, every Yan- picture of every Yankee game all year long. Uh, but I-, I can see now for the probably the first time, at least these last couple of years, why, you know, a bunch of people don't watch it. Yeah. You know, and I mentioned the fact that the, this is done in the middle of innings and in the middle of the field, and the biggest reason for that is managers can go out and demand that somebody be searched. And as you pointed out, yeah. when, they, when they check Scherzer, you know, and Joe Girardi said, I've seen him pitch a long time. I've never seen him wipe his head like he did tonight. Well, Come on, man. Yeah. Well, a couple things with that real quick here. One is these guys are going to be doing different things because they don't have what they used to have. So he might even be using his own sweat to get a grip. So that's one. And I really think, which I actually heard MLB is considering, is if you demand that and it comes back with nothing, the manager should be ejected. Simple (laughs) as that. Well, I don't know. I think ejection would be a lot, but I think maybe give give him uh, two, two opportunities. You know, warning first. I yeah. could do a warning first. Yeah, you know, be, you know, but then of course they could hide it, hide it, and then once he's used up all his requests, then you load up. You know, the, but the, the worst was of it checking a knuckleballer last yeah, night. Exactly, but the worst of it too was the fact that Major League Baseball looked the other way for so long on the uh, mixture of the rosin and the sunscreen, and then when it got into the goop that this guy was creating. And he's naming names, man, and good for him because he's the only guy who's been fired. Uh, I don't know if it'll ever stop. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.